This is Mr. Tolu Balogun. On the Work From Home podcast, I will be teaching you a lot of things you can do to upgrade your skills and be able to run a Work From Home business successfully. Stay with me and enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to the Work From Home podcast. I'm super pumped to have with me in the studio today, Jana Lee. She's a very interesting personality. If you remember, in the past, we've had two different guests who've worked out of an RV, and she has a similar experience to share. So, hi, Jana, welcome to the Work From Home podcast. Hi, Tolu. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Wow, so great to have you here. Please introduce yourself better to the listeners and let them know how you started and got into the remote working space. Yeah, so... I am now a operations coach and consultant. So I work with digital businesses, digital entrepreneurs to help them build the scalable systems and the scalable teams that they need in order to effectively grow their business. Um, So that's what I do now. But when it came to starting to work from home, I, that was maybe five plus years ago. And I didn't even know what operations was at that point. Um, So I first started working remotely because My boyfriend at the time, he was running his own business and he wanted to move into a sprinter van. So for those of you who don't know, it's this big thing in the US. You take a van, like a a kind of mechanical van that you would see on the street, you take out the inside and then you reconvert it so that it's a livable home. So there's a bed in there, there's, we had a toilet, we had a shower, we had a kitchen, like sink, the whole thing. Um, And he wanted to really move into this van. And so I kinda needed to figure out how to work remotely in order to make that happen with him. Um, We ended up living out of that van in North and South America together for about two and a half years. And in that time, I really fell in love with remote work. And to start out, I was an employee, right? Like I was working with four other businesses, gaining skill sets, learning the process of working remotely, like the the best practices of working remotely. Um, And then after a few years of really, like I, to be honest with you, Tolua, like I didn't really have a high value skill set that would enable me to start my own business and do so where I'd be, you know, comfortable and kind of making the money that I wanted to make and all of those sorts of things. So I started as an employee okay. in order to gain that skill set. And then when I felt comfortable, I started my own business and that's what I do now. Oh, wow. Awesome. So this makes us see one of the values that I expect people to understand about remote work. There is always an, an entry point for anybody who wants to yep. delve into working from home, working from a van, working from wherever. And the possibilities yep. are definitely endless. It kind of goes with matching with your lifestyle, matching with your objective, matching with yep. your goals. And before we go on talking about how, you, how people scale their remote teams and all, I feel like you would be able to contribute very well into helping our listeners understand about, you know, what are some of the things that they can do to feel less scared of, Mm. you know, I mean, starting up the work from home lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. So the first thing that I would say is that, especially with COVID, working remotely is becoming a very like respectable and, and just very possible career path, right? And I think what it comes down to is oftentimes, A, our own limiting beliefs about whether that's true or like the limiting beliefs of our community. Like there were a lot of people when I first started working remotely who were like, really, are you sure that's going to work? Like you just got out of college, you should be, 
you know, finding a job at a big company and working your way up that ladder, or you should be like, you should be doing something more stable, essentially, is what they were saying, right? You should be focusing on your own security more. Um, but the reality is, is that with remote work, what I love about running remote teams is that you are tapping into a global community of opportunity, exactly. right? And that's true for employers who are hiring internationally. It's also true for employees where you now have access as an employee remotely to work for amazing companies that you would never just because of your location would never be able to work for in, you know, 20 years ago. And so I think actually, mm -hmm. if we're talking about stability and security and where the opportunity is, I had to flip that on my head and really come to understand that actually on the internet and via the internet, that's actually where the opportunity is. That's where stability is. Because when you are able to understand what your skill set is and really zero in on like, how can I apply that skill set to a remote environment? A lot unlocks for you, way more unlocks for you compared to, in my opinion, like more local businesses where you are dependent on local economics, where you're dependent on that business still being open, you're dependent on all, on all these things yeah. that might lock you in and actually make it difficult for you to access the highest opportunity possible. And to add to what you've said, is also one of the things I love the most about remote work. I like to use this analogy of taking an old watch and you take it to probably a pawn shop, you want to pawn it. They are definitely not going to value it because it's not valuable to them. But it's possible mm. you take it to like an art gallery or somewhere else mm. where it's going to be way more valued. And then the premium they are going to place on that watch is going to increase because they understand what that is really about. So a lot of times, especially for people that are in my country, Nigeria, some of the skill sets that they might want to sell might not be very valuable here in Nigeria. But mm. by the time they, I mean, sell their those skills, to other places where they're actually valuable, the premium mm. there comes bigger and better. And okay. because, you know, the world is a global village and then you can also make sure that you're also delivering work at a very global standard, it's going to be obvious for people to see. And it's easier for you to go to where you are more appreciated than against where what you are trying to sell is going to be undervalued. And yeah. also, the other thing I love about remote work is it helps in terms of also scalability, puts you, the entrepreneurs or the worker, whatever, in the front seat. You can say, okay, I'm no more comfortable making this much. I want to increase my earnings to this much. And yep. you, there are a lot of ways you can make that happen. You can make yep. that happen by asking for an increase. You can make that happen by onboarding more clients or as you did in your own case, started your own venture so that you can make mm -hmm. as much as you want to make. Yep. It gives way more advantages than some of the limits of the nine to five work life. Yep. And my favorite yep. part actually is you get to reclaim that time that you've spent on the road. I heard in most busy cities, average time spent on the road to and fro workplace is about three hours. So imagine reclaiming three hours of your life just by walking from home. That's a very yep. solid advantage. <laughs> And it's interesting. So, I mean, no, from, from an, well, I was just going to add that like from an, a, an employer's perspective as well, a lot of studies are coming out now about increases in productivity, increases in work life, like uh, worker happiness, employee happiness, team productivity, team mm -hmm. culture. Like there's actually a lot of benefits as well, mental health benefits and work benefits to working remotely as well. Mm -hmm. So also I think that one of the limiting beliefs is like, well, because I'm not in the office, 
maybe I'm not able to ask for as much money or I'm not as valued of an employee. Maybe I'm not doing as much for this company as somebody who's in the office. And that's also just statistically not true. You just have the ability to now have way more flexibility and control over your day while still providing just as much value as you would in an office. Mm. Oh, even more. <laughs> or even more, absolutely. Let's go down to the business of the day, which is what you help people do, which is help them scale remote teams. This is a very, it's a tricky water to navigate because I know working remote is one thing and most remote firms try better when they, when they have a lot of staff that have leadership qualities because it's usually the leadership qualities in them that will make them self-starters and all of that. And that is so much needed when you're working remotely. And now helping people now scale their remote teams, how do you perform this magic? <laughs> <laughs> I would say that, again, a remote team can be as powerful as an in-person team. The the responsibility falls to the leadership of that business to make sure that that happens. I think that there's a lot that you can rely on in office, right? You can just, you can count on things just happening. People are going to bump into each other. Conversations mm -hmm. are going to start. Ideas are going to mm -hmm. spark, right? These are the things that just happen naturally and organically when you bring a group of people together in a room. And in a remote environment, that's just something that you can't count on happening organically. You have to intentionally structure it in to the working of your business. So things that before you maybe didn't have to spend a lot of time on, things like team building or collective identity building or culture building. These sorts of like creating friendships and fostering friendships between your team. These are things that you didn't have to worry about in person. And now you have to be very strategic about, can it still happen? Absolutely. Like some of my best friends I've never met in real life, right? And I've just met them through professional, mm -hmm. either working together in a company or partnering on a collaboration, right? Like true friendships. Mm -hmm. But I had to work at it. I had to be strategic at it. I had to carve out time to make that happen where in an office, that time is just being naturally lent to you. So I think as a leader running a remote team, you have to be very strategic with how you set up your meetings how you run your meetings, how you set up mm -hmm. things like your Slack channel and making sure that there's ways mm -hmm. for people to connect casually and connect personally yeah. as opposed to just mm -hmm. professionally so that they can feel like they're building relationships mm -hmm. with the team as they work more and more with those people. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I love that. Now, when it comes to communication, since you already mm -hmm. I mean, touched on that, what are some of the favorite tools that you normally recommend for mm. remote teams? I know you've mentioned Slack and Slack has a lot of advantages in that there you can have multiple channels for multiple discussions and there are multiple permissions for each of those. And also the ability for Slack allow you to share, to apply a lot of integrations that make it work even more productive. So what are some other channels that you usually recommend for remote teams to communicate aside um, Slack? So I would say that Slack is the biggest one as far as like ongoing communication over the course of the day to day. Um, and in there, making sure again, mm -hmm. that you have channels for dedicated work. You also have channels for like mm -hmm. personal stuff, a random channel where people are dropping funny memes and they're, you know, dropping their updates from the weekend and these sorts of things. I would highly recommend that. Mm -hmm. um, obviously yeah. the second biggest tool out there is going to be Zoom. I've seen a lot of teams where people hop on Zoom and maybe their cameras are off or they're always driving or right, like they're not really, they're not, because it's this remote environment, they're not taking that meeting as seriously as they would if they were like stepping into an office room, right? And again, I think that falls to leadership and mm -hmm. the expectations that you set. If I'm running a Zoom meeting, my team is on time, their cameras are on 
always their their internet is strong like these these are necessary requirements that I actually state up front when a new employee joins my team because I want them to show up to that call as seriously as they would in in office and in person meeting so I think that that's really important is to make sure that how you structure the zoom call again if I'm just hopping on with just my voice we know this like 70 what percent of human communication is nonverbal if you're only hopping on without your camera you are missing out on 70% of the potential communication that could be happening in your company, right? Mm -hmm. So like these sort of little practices, but as a leader, making sure that they become the common practice and the required practice is really going to determine how effective Zoom and meetings are as a communication method within your company. And then the reality is totally as far as additional ways to communicate, in my opinion, I would recommend less communication channels compared to more. And that's from an operations perspective, okay. which if I'm trying to track down, hey, remember when John told Sally that thing? And now I have to go in and I have to look at Slack and then I have to look at email and then I have to look at the text messages and then I have to look at WhatsApp, right? If we have all okay. of these methods of communication going as a team, it's actually quite inefficient to try and follow and track a conversation all the way through. So I would recommend guys, you have one primary written communication channel, Slack, Discord, email, whatever that is. And then you have your video and your verbal communication channel that could be Zoom or Skype, something like that. But I wouldn't recommend having more communication channels just for the sake of having more ways to communicate. That's actually going to slow your business down. Yeah, I was going to add Discord to that. I'm, I'm happy you yep. already mentioned that. Um, yep. It kind of works like um, Slack too. Yeah. Um, I would say choose one or the other. <laughs> yes, yeah, Slack is usually the most preferred channel for the workspace. And Discord is more preferred for people in the entertainment or gaming industry. Yeah. So I yeah. think basically that's Definitely. how they use it. <laughs> yeah. And I would go so. with the channel that your industry is using, right? Like wherever the most amount, like what's amazing about Slack is you have that Slack connect feature where you're able to connect your team with other mm -hmm. people's teams using Slack. Amazing. Like mm -hmm. if that's an advantage of communicating with other people in your industry, go to where they are. Use that software. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that. So let's go back to the part where you were initially talking about, where you were referring to, I mean, building the global teams. Now, what is the recruitment process like usually for, let's say, a US-based business, Canadian-based business, Australian-based business that wants to recruit outside of their continent, maybe recruiting from Asia or Africa, where there are a mm. lot more people who are ready to work and who probably will even charge lesser. Yeah, definitely. I think it's one of the amazing gifts and advantages of remote work that as an employer, you have now opened access to the international talent pool, right? And so first off, as an employer, you have to break some limiting beliefs around, like, I truly believe Tolu, excellent people exist everywhere. They exist everywhere, right? And so I see a lot of American business owners or just business owners in general who say, oh, no, 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 I'll only recruit people from this country and this country. I'll only recruit people from this, whatever, right? Amazing people mm -hmm. exist everywhere. True, when you open up, when you cast such a wide net, when you're prospecting or you're recruiting for a role, you have to just have a lot more rigorous filtration systems, especially remotely when yeah. the, the best that you're ever gonna get to know a person is over Zoom. Like you have to collect a lot of data. You have to have really rigorous filtration when you're hiring that person and you have to be really selective. Absolutely, but that should have always been true. Like that's true when you're prospecting locally too, right? So. I think that, exactly. um, right, like it's not any different. So you have to just uh, put, again, take additional responsibility as an employer 
that you are really crafting a very strategic and a very rigorous hiring process. And you're not just taking the first person who walks in off the internet and is saying, hey, I think I can do this job, right? Especially on the internet where people can, and again, they always could, but they can pretend to have more experience than exactly. they do. They could have a really fancy website, but actually have no freaking idea what they're doing, mm -hmm. right? But that was always the case. Mm -hmm. So let's just be more strategic. Let's be more rigorous. Let's do our due diligence, things like reference interviews, right? And let's just make sure that we are collecting as much data as possible about the people that we're letting into our company and into our team. I would also say that specifically in remote work environments as well, filtering by culture is incredibly important. So if you as a business owner don't have a clear picture of what are my core values, what are the core values of my business, what are the core values of my team, and then I go out when I hire somebody internationally or just in general, the very first interview that I conduct with them is a culture interview. It's not a skill interview, right? Because again, let's think statistically. If I'm trying to hire a salesperson, there are more amazing salespeople in the world than there are people who are my culture fit right? My culture is actually a greater filtration system. It's a larger differentiator than your talent as a salesperson. So I'm going to filter first to see that you're a match for my core values. And then I will have an interview around how good of a salesperson you are, because I'm trying to disqualify the most amount of people at the top of that funnel. Did that answer yeah, your question, Tolu? Yeah, answers my question. And what you just described now makes it easier to find a great fit for your business. A lot of times, you just need a certain amount of skill to be able to get stuff done, basically. And then at the end of the day, what the remainder of it is, how can you use that skill or whatever you have to function in this particular business? So it's most businesses will thrive with probably average level skills of whoever they're hiring. And then much more of someone who understands the business and what the business looks like or flows like or whatever the case might be. Or as you put it rightly, the business culture. That definitely, as you said, is going to make it easier for the business to find a great fit. And that can also be used on the flip side for people who are, I mean, entrepreneurs or are freelancers and yeah. trying to find people to work with. It's yes. always easier to find people that you know that you can sync with while communicating, people that you can easily understand what you're talking about, people that kind of have the same drive as you. It's easier yeah. because when both of you understand each other and you have similarities in your personalities, which is one thing I always look out for, similarities in the personalities, then it's easier for you guys to work together. And because there's a level of understanding that both of you we have, from the person who is trying to, that you're trying to onboard. So when you yep. have that level of understanding, it's easier to, you know, settle disputes, settle misunderstandings, because those would actually arise. And if you don't understand each other, that's that business. And one of the things that is very valuable for online businesses, where you're not someone that is, as you said, pretending to have a skill set, you actually have your skill set, you know you're good at what you're doing. And one of the most important skills is those reviews and those people that are mutual connections because if someday as i had you on linkedin you realize that we have a mutual connection and so be it we've worked together in the past we had some disagreements we actually even fought before we went out when you decide to call the person and ask the person will not say Tori is good at what the person does the person will probably say something like Tori is a horrible person you understand sure. so at the end of the day that i mean personality side plays a really big role 
and especially yep. if you are someone who is working internationally you want to maintain your reputation you want to maintain all that good reviews so that yep. the goodwill can circulate very well and you'll be surprised yep. at when you will need that goodwill the most so yep. thank you very much Anna for <laughs> letting yeah. us know about that and emphasizing that in the course of this recording so now what are some things that you would love to see less of are there some <laughs> things that you've seen remote teams do I mean, maybe from the leadership level or from the team level mm. that mm. can actually sabotage the work or objective that they are trying to reach. Yes. Oh, I have some ideas. Okay. <laughs> um, a couple of things. And we've touched on this one before, but like super ineffective meetings, horrible. Guys, your meetings are expensive, right? As a business owner, you are paying for everybody's time to sit there in that meeting. And so either you're getting work yeah. done and you're getting a return on that investment, or you're not. And if you find yourself sitting in a meeting, like I've seen business owners where they have their entire team on, for example, for some sort of like all hands meeting, and it's an hour long, and the business owner is the only person talking the entire time, right? You just wasted 19 people's time. And you just paid for 19 people to have their time wasted, right? So I think one would be very critical design when it comes to running meetings, when it comes to setting meeting agendas, making sure that your meetings are effective and efficient, which I am happy to share my best practices on. But like if, and, and touching base with yourself, because maybe six months ago, that meeting was effective. That meeting was needed, but especially for entrepreneurs in a startup, right? The needs of the business are constantly evolving. And so your communication rhythms need to evolve hand in hand with the needs of the business and what worked back then may not work now. So be constantly analyzing and reanalyzing is what we're doing the most effective way to communicate and the most effective use of people's time today. That would be number one. Number two, I would say another like major pitfall that I see business owners struggle with in remote team environments is how do I hold my team accountable? How do I make sure that they're doing work, right? Because in an office, I could see them walk in the door. I could see them sit at their computer. I could see them typing for eight hours and then I can see them go home, right? I don't have as a business owner that level of visibility anymore. I don't know what my team is working on. How do I figure it out? And so I see a lot of uh, business owners revert to solutions like time tracking or screenshot monitor where they're like actually like viewing your team's screen every single day to make sure that you're working. Guys, this drives me crazy, frankly, because here's the truth. Here is the truth. In an office environment, the average person, the average office worker only gets three to four hours of truly productive work done anyway. Right. And then we step into this remote work environment and we have some sort of skewed expectation that somehow like now I need eight hours of productive work from you every day. And I'm going to track your screen and I'm going to track your mouse and I'm going to track your time to make sure that that's what I'm getting. Okay. When people step into an environment where every piece of that communicates, I don't trust you. That's what you're telling your team. I don't trust you. I need to micromanage you. I need to look over your shoulder literally and see what you are doing every single second of every single day. If any human being steps into that work environment, guys, I promise you, you are getting a fraction of their best work because if you don't trust them, why on earth would they trust you? If you're micromanaging them, why on earth would they give you an ounce more 
than the bare minimum that you are asking for. This is not how we get the best performance, the most creative, most innovative, most driven, high motivation, high work ethic people. Like you as a leader are catering to the lowest common denominator of the employee out there. Well, guess what? That's what you're going to get. Versus if you are a leader that inspires their people to show up and provide their best work, not because you're tracking them for it, but because you're creating an environment where they are intrinsically motivated to provide their best to you, well, now you're attracting the best talent out there. You are attracting the highest levels of performance out of every single person on your team. Your business is actually benefiting. And ironically, your people are going to work more. They're going to work harder. They're going to work better than they ever would if you were monitoring their screen and trying to somehow control that outcome. True, true, Drives me true. crazy. Drives me crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's so true. And when you explain that, one of the first things that came to my mind is the fact that naturally human beings are rebels. So when you're putting systems in place to try to micromanage, it kind of brings up that rebellious um, side of humans naturally. hundred uh, percent. Yes. Uh, instead of a case where, as you've said, you need to inspire as a leader. Even my two-year-old daughter, when I say, come, she goes the opposite way. When I say bring exactly. that, she throws it away. So yes. if my two-year-old daughter that does not know what she's doing is naturally rebellious, what do you expect? <laughs> right, what <laughs> do you expect of like grown adults with free choice and an internet's worth of opportunities to choose from, right? Exactly. That's the other thing. As a business mm -hmm. owner, your team, they don't need you. Mm -hmm. They don't need you anymore. Mm -hmm. That's why like, mm -hmm. people are having such a hard time hiring in the United States now. People have options. Employees have options. You have to earn the right to hire the best people and to retain the best people. You can no longer count exactly. on people just staying with your business for however many months or years. And so mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. that, like, it puts the responsibility again on the business owner to follow the best business practices, team leadership practices, so that they can earn the best performance out of their team, not demand it. Wow, this is this has been so much enjoyable with a lot of value. And if people want to connect with you, Jenna, how do they get to you know do that? And do you have any resource you want to share with them? Whether free? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, so guys, at this stage, I would love to offer a free discovery call. So if our, if anything that I've said today, you're like, oh, oh, I think I need more help with that. Or how would I apply that to my own business? Or if I'm an employee, how would I look for these things in a business? I'm happy to have that conversation with you. So the best way to probably get in touch with me would be through my website. That's www.johnnalee.com. And totally, I can shoot that over to you so you can attach it to the episode. Um, but guys, go on there. You'll see some information on me. You'll see what it is that I do. And if it seems like I could support you in any way, please go ahead and book a call with me. I would love to have that conversation. Wow. The discovery call, that is massive. So guys, if you are listening, of which you definitely are listening, it, this is what I like to call an open check. During your discovery call, some of the things you can discuss includes if she's a great fit to help your business move to the next level. And some of the things that you can expect is probably like an analysis of how you do work and some things that you can do yeah. right away yeah. to make some systems that you have put in place 
better and if you don't have systems in place already what are some ideas for you to you know, grow up so See this and I should line. also add to that as well. The other thing that I do is I hire and I train operators, right? So if you're also trying to break into remote work, again, guys, I had no idea what I was doing when I first started working remotely. I found operations and cultivated it as a really high value skill set that allowed me to walk into any remote business and say, hey, here's what I can do for you and here's how much you're going to pay me for it, right? So operations became that vehicle for me and I'm very passionate about helping other talented individuals use operations as a vehicle for their own growth. So if you're on the employee side of this and you're trying to break into remote work and you think operations might be a vehicle for you to do that, I would love to have a conversation with you. My training programs end in placement in an operation leadership role with a digital business. So I guarantee that placement for anybody who passes my course. So if that's of interest to you, I would love to have that conversation with you as well. Yeah, and I think your operations course is about four months. Yeah, so there's two programs. There's Ops Manager Academy. That's actually a two-month program. And then there's COO Academy. So if you're already an experienced operator, but you're wanting to break into the upper levels of your business and up-level your skill set, that's COO. Academy, and that's a five-month program. Okay, okay, five months. Okay, great, yep. great. Wow, yep. this is um awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you very much, Jenna, for joining us. Absolutely. And guys, don't forget, as I said, this is a gold mine. I mean, tap into it. Get in touch with Jenna today. Book that discovery call. She is going to be a great fit to help you or your business. So thank you very much, guys, and see you next week where we'll be having another superb guest here with us at the Work From Home podcast. And I can't wait for to hear that you have you know put that call through to Jenna or that you have joined any of our courses either the two or the five month program and that you are ready to take your business or your practice to the next level. Thank you guys.